0: Let's just pray before we get into the Word, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the power that is in your Word. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak to us today through your through your Word. Father, it's like a hammer that smashes mindsets. It's like a fire, God, that burns up the dross in our lives. So, Lord, we surrender to you now, and I ask, Father, that every ear would hear and every eye would see, Lord, what it is that you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, what a week, guys, for Melbourne. Anyway, I'm sure if you're watching this from anywhere else in the world, you could probably say exactly the same thing. It's been a very huge week for us here in Melbourne in our second lockdown. Like I mentioned in the announcements, things have been pretty topsy-turvy. Everyone's been rushing and scurrying to getting themselves organized in case we have to go out beyond five kilometers from our house. Like, it's crazy times. It's literally Um, I don't know, I don't know what it's like. I don't even know if it's like wartime. None of us were around when it was wartime, but it's pretty, pretty intense. So it's a very shaky, rocky moment. Uh, I know of people in our church and beyond our church that have had difficult situations that they've just had to go through, things that they've been facing, things that they could potentially face. There's a lot of uncertainty in many of our lives. And so it's really important right now how you and I choose to live and how we want to display our walk in God for ourselves, to our families, and to those around us. It's really vital right now. The world needs stability. The world needs to see light. The world needs to see oil coming from, like I spoke about last week, coming from the lamps of our vessels as believers in Jesus. They need to see something that's really beautiful, really peaceful, really tranquil, and really steady because you've got to always remember There's always another generation standing, ready, needing to see how you and I will respond. Those, our neighbors, our friends, our extended families, your children, if you have if you have a family, your grandchildren, they're all watching, and and things are going in. They're, they're, you're communicating something, even with the very way that you live your life. You know, it's interesting because in in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, in chapter eighteen, verse eight, it says this: When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On the earth, so we have to ask ourselves the question: Is there faith in my heart and in my life and how I'm living my life? I'm not saying is there incredible abundant success. We're not saying that. We're saying is there faith? It's only faith that pleases God. There's nothing else that pleases God. Everything that we build around us is nothing if there's no faith in God. Believe me. All right. In this time, I think it's really clear that people have been caught off guard. It's happened so suddenly. There's been such a, a suddenness and such a rapid sense of change and shift And I guess, like I mentioned last week, no one knows what the future holds. You know, we could ask ourselves the question, is there more or is everything going to go back to normal? Well, no one really knows. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus wants us to be ready. He wants us to be like those five wise virgins that we read about last week who have our lamps ready and filled with oil and have extra oil for the journey and are ready and and are waiting and are watching because there are so many people who are kind of spiritually blind and kind of ignorant of what might be happening and they're lost and they're looking for truth and they're looking for the way out. And you contrast that with uh, what we preached about last week about King David and how he literally uh, lived his life purely for the purpose of God because we read out of the scripture in Acts sixteen thirty six that says when he had served God in his generation, then he passed, then he, he died. But it wasn't until he had fulfilled the call of God on his life, regardless of what sort of life he lived. He enjoyed his life. He, he sinned a lot. He did a lot of things. But overall, he lived with purpose for God. And that was always at the forefront of what he was thinking about in everything. And I would pray, and I know Brahma and I would pray, that at the end of our lives, the people would say they enjoyed life. They they laughed. They, they did all sorts of fun things. But at the end the, the the forefront of their lives no one could doubt that they served God and that they desired God that's that's the desire about for us for our testimony in life I want to read to you a scripture from Matthew 24 37 to 39 and this is what it says it says as it was in the days of Noah so it will be at the coming of the son of man For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So they were just living a normal life, right? Up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus is warning us here what it's going to look like in the last days. Now, are we in the last days? well, we're in the last of the last days, but tomorrow is going to be closer to the last days than today. It's kind of logical. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back, but he does want us to be ready. And he describes to us what it's going to look like, that up until that point, no one had any idea. So <clears throat> they were blind. They were oblivious. They didn't take notice of what Noah was doing and what he was saying. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. So he was declaring the truth and explaining to them what was going on. So this is a time for you and I to take heed of that, of of last week's sermon. I'm going to ask you to go back and listen to it again and take more oil. It's time to take more oil to fill up the lamp of your spirit. In other words, seek God with all that is in you and let God fill you and I to overflowing. Because you know what? When we can see... When we can see with the eyes of God, then we can help others to see also, and they won't be blind. Remember, I always say in our DMS, our Discipleship Ministry School, if we can lead ourselves, we can lead others. And we can't lead others until we can lead ourselves. And we can't lead ourselves until we see what God sees. All right? So we need to have an expectation to see what God sees. And, of course, we just read, Noah obviously lived in a, the time of an unseen generation, because it says, up until the day he entered the ark, they didn't realize. They were just going about their normal life. <clears throat> it says, they knew nothing about what would happen until, until the flood came and took them all away. They weren't prepared. So I believe we're, we're in this season of shakiness, of tumultuous upheaval in our society and worldwide. I think it would be really prudent of us to really seek God in and to ask God to help us to see because we have to be able to see. In fact, Paul prayed this prayer in the New Testament over the church at Ephesus. He said, "I pray also, this is in Ephesians 1:18. You might want to write this down because you can go back and pray this over yourself and over people that you love. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know." And it goes on to say what we can know. But the bottom line is we can pray for the eyes of our hearts to see. You know, without vision, the people perish. When we don't see what God is doing, we're we're lost. But when we can see with the the eyes uh, of understanding, we can be enlightened. We will know. We will understand. Why do you think the world loves to go to clairvoyance and to tarot card readers? Everyone's craving to understand the future. Everyone wants to know that their life is significant, that their life holds purpose, that their life is going in a direction. They want to know if there's a warning. They want to know and understand if there's something coming towards them that they need to avoid. People look for this stuff, but the only way we can really see the truth is by praying that the eyes of our hearts will be uh, flooded with light so that we will know the hope of His calling. And the glorious inheritance that is within us. So it's time to seek God like never before and let him fill our eyes, the eyes of our hearts with light. We don't get it from clairvoyance. That's just people searching. There's nothing evil that they're desiring. At least they're desiring to find something. We just help, have to help them find the right ending, which is Jesus. Which is him? We just have to get them to see the right path, and and help them understand, so that the eyes of their hearts can also be enlightened. All right. So we see from Matthew twenty four, we just read about how Noah built an ark, and he built something uh, that was really powerful. And um, I want to ask the question: What are we actually building? What are you and I building right now? We're the ones that are chosen to live right now. We're the ones that have the purpose of God to live out in our generation. He chose you and I. So how do we know what we are building is correct? Because none of us want to get to the end of our lives and look back and go, Ah, crap, I wasn't building right. I should have done this. I should have done that. Okay? And if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, it's full of people who built incredible legacies, <clears throat> pardon me, stories that still impact us today. It's full of men and women whose faith connected them to the next generation. Remember, David served the purposes of God in his generation. It connected to the next generation. He was referred to for generations after he had an impact in his generation because God doesn't want us to live just for ourselves. And in Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read out a few scriptures here that show you what it's like when people live with the next generation with other people in mind all right so uh, let's start from 11 and 12 Hebrews 11 verses 11 and 12 by faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful, who had promised, like these guys are 90 and 99 or something. They're they're way too old to be having children, Sarah and Abraham. And then it says, therefore, there was one, there was born even of one man, which is Abraham and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. So this is by faith Sarah did that. By faith Sarah received the promise even in the face of impossibility. Her natural body, his natural body should not have been able to conceive a child. But they conceived and it went on to to bring about descendants as the stars of the heaven in number. It's amazing. By faith. Okay. She thought about the next generation. She received something by faith that would impact the generations to come. Then we go to verse 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Jacob blessed his sons. Isn't that amazing? This is what happens when we we live a life that is purpose-driven and purpose-filled, and uh, we live a significant life, these people live such significant lives that they're actually mentioned in the Bible. And then we go down to verse 23. Let's, let's read another one. To be honest, I'd love to read you the whole of chapter 11. It's so stirring. Um, verse 23 says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. This, these parents, by faith protected this little baby who came, went on to grow up and the most incredible story went on to lead the the covenant people out of slavery out of egypt into the promised land like it's out into the promises of god it's it's amazing and then then the last one it says by faith moses when he, he had grown up refused to be called the, the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of god than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. See, he lived his life for other people. All right? So, I love that because this is the kind of, these are the kind of stories that we have in in the Bible to be able to inspire us, to show us what does true faith look like. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things yet to be seen. They're not seen yet, but faith gives you the, 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 the conviction. Of, of, of believing that what has not been seen in the natural you can see it already with the eyes of hope and the eyes of the spirit so these people did that by faith they reached. it's almost like they reached into eternity and grabbed hold of the promises of God and some of them never saw the fulfillment of those promises before they died but we go back now and we can read that those very promises they believed for they happened it's amazing. That's what happens when we trust God. And then you go to Hebrews 12 verse 1 and it says, "Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us." Guys, there's a cloud of witnesses. As a cloud of witnesses that are part of, of a legacy and a heritage that we can look back on and read from and draw truth from. Like I said last week, every generation goes through societal upheaval. There's always some something that will happen. But we can hold on to faith, the simplicity of faith in Jesus. And you know what? Noah did this. He's now part of that cloud of witnesses. He did that. He built a really significant life that we now read about, and he served God's purposes in his generation. Let's look at verse 7 of Hebrews 11, and we'll read about Noah here. So Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So we read here that this guy built an Ark of Deliverance for the salvation of his family. This is a phenomenal picture of providing something. It's a picture of providing something for the next generation. So my question is today, or one of my questions is, how do you and I prepare an Ark of Deliverance? How do we prepare something? If we take this as a metaphor, how do we prepare an Ark of Deliverance for our family, for our loved ones, for our nation? Um, I believe that in the midst of of chaos and in the midst of everything, because of whose we are, because of who we belong to, it is possible to live protected amidst destruction. We have Psalm 91 verse 7 to tell us that. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Do you know how many times I've prayed that prayer over myself? I've prayed that prayer over our family. We've prayed that prayer. But you know what? It requires leadership. It requires leadership of ourselves. It requires leadership of our homes. It requires leadership of the, uh, with the people around us. So, what does it take to be a really good spiritual leader? Of ourselves or a leader of other people? I, I wanna, we're going to learn a few little principles here just briefly because I don't want to speak for too long. But just some leadership principles that we can apply to ourselves, to our families. To our church to your business Uh, even in government these are principles that any leader can apply and remember that every generation actually has given the opportunity to respond to these principles so we need to know how do we actually respond and we see with noah that what started with one word from God to Noah, mobilized an entire generation from destruction to salvation. What well, started with one word to a man, a human being, a, 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 you know, just a normal human being with problems and issues. But because his, and he would have sinned, of course, we all sin. But because his faith was in God, because his trust was in God, all it took was from, for God to speak one word to one man. You know, we can put more trust in God's ability to speak to us than in our ability to hear from Him. We just—we don't have to keep looking to hear from God. We just have to worship God. We just have to trust God. And God is more able to fulfill anything that He wants to speak to us. We just have to trust Him. And what it did is it mobilized and moved an entire generation from destruction to salvation. So what were some of the things that Noah did? What separated him from others? And we're gonna look at this in at length in, in, in later weeks. But I just want to summarize very, very briefly right now what he did. Well, first of all, he actually lived for something bigger than himself. Think about it, guys. He was in the middle of a smelly, noisy boat with all these animals, right? He was in the middle of noise, of smells, he wouldn't have had air conditioning, he wouldn't have had heating, he wouldn't have had, you know, every kind of luxury that, we're so, that we demand now in 2020, that we all demand as human beings. He wouldn't have had any of those. And yet, think about it, he did this, and he was right in the centre of God's will. He was right in the centre of God's will, not just for himself, but because he was in the center of God's will for himself, it actually positioned him to be in the center of God's will for the entire earth. Wow. This is pretty amazing that God will actually use human beings with names that are named in the Bible. This guy had a sense of cause and he lived for other people. He lived and he built for other people. Remember Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Every We all have needs at the moment, especially now. We have so many needs, guys, but can I encourage you? Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you in a minute how to do that. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all your needs, And we're allowed to ask for our needs, we're allowed to come before God with prayer, with supplication, with requests. Let them be known to God, the Bible says. Yeah, in Philippians 4, it says, let your requests be made known to God. There's various ways of praying. Do that. But in the midst of all of that, seek first his kingdom. Don't seek your needs. Seek him and seek his kingdom and and what he's doing. Be a part, be in the center of what he's doing on the earth right now. Let's be a part of the greatest cause on earth right now. And then all of those things will be added you. Brahm and I have proved this over 40 years of walking with God. I won't go into it now, but we have literally proved this principle in our lives. All right. So he lived for something bigger than himself. Number one. Number two, he built something that carried him and his family into the future. It's not just a generation, but it was generations that were impacted. He didn't just live for today, he lived for tomorrow. And you and I need to live with our children and our grandchildren in mind. And, you know, let's ask ourselves this question. When we die, when you and I die, does all the accumulation of influence, favor, and the goodness of God, does that end with us? Or is it deposited and transferred in an even greater way to the next generation? You know, Brown reminded me of two prophecies. Uh, well, the prophecies that we always remember, but he linked them together the other day. He said, do you realize you had that word? Uh, I had a prophecy uh, from a prophet called John Jacks, who's now sadly passed away. But he said um, that I would draw from the, the teachings of the forefathers. Now, this is at the very, very beginning of our church, before we'd started DMS, before I was really preaching and teaching. Do you know that's the very thing that is happening in our discipleship ministry school? Do you know that's the very thing that Brahma and I stand for is the, the, the teachings and the doctrines of our forefathers? But then we had another prophecy actually by the same prophet and he said, it might have even been at the same time, I can't remember, it might have been at another, it was a different time, Brahm's nodding. It was at a different year that he came and prophesied. He said, everything that you and Brahm have ever desired to do in ministry won't be fulfilled through you it will be through your children and your spiritual children. And Bram said, do you realize you and I are like a link between those two things? Diane, you're preaching and teaching from the forefathers, but everything that you desire to see, the outworking of that, of all those teachings and those principles and those doctrinal truths, which the church has to be built on, guys, it's going to be seen in you, in the next generation, and in our grandchildren's generation. What a privilege that makes me feel like such a privilege for me to realize that I can deposit everything I've learned even in in an even greater way to the next generation. That's why Brahman and I, we're going to be preaching into our 80s. We're going to give everything we've got to disciple you guys, to teach you, to train you, to equip you, but get you closer to Jesus. It's not about head knowledge. It's about knowing him and walking with him. All right. So number three. He built with an enduring faith. It took him decades to build that ark. It built him decades. You know, I, I just have to look to Brahm's family and, and extended family to see phenomenal examples of, of uh, enduring faith. His omyopi, Yopi, Uncle Yopi, we met up with him, or Brahm met up with him actually, uh, probably 10 years ago, just before he passed. And he said, you know what, Brahm, when your, when your mother died, because Brahm's dad had died when he was six, and then they kind of left Ambon and went to Java, and he didn't hear anything more about, about his, his, his sister, uh, Brahm's mum, and his, his nephews and niece. And then he heard that his sister, Brahm's mum, had died, had passed away, and he knew that these kids were orphans now. And he and his family, he told Brahm this, that he and his, he would gather his six children around and every morning. They would, As they prayed, they would also pray for Gosha, Chris, Brahm, and Yancha. Pray for those kids as, as orphans. And then one day, as he prayed, one day, suddenly he turned the TV on and there's Brahm on television. And next thing he knows, Brahm is, is, a, is a born-again believer and he's following Jesus and now he's a pastor. You know, that's enduring faith. Every day, consistently, even though he couldn't see, didn't even know where they lived, couldn't reach out to them, didn't know how to call them, probably didn't even have a phone in his little house in in Ambon. And yet suddenly, you know, many years later, what, what an incredible, incredible, incredible heritage and legacy, even for my children to know that they had a great uncle who's prayed for their father like that. It's amazing. It's amazing and probably responsible for even bringing me into his life and leading me to the Lord. Like the blessings go on and on and on, guys, when you when you look at other generations and don't focus on yourself. You know, the the principle is here. You and I are actually part of an enduring kingdom that will never die. And that's why we can have an enduring faith. You know, I was reading an article uh, that was sent through to me this morning from out of the, the Rolling Stone, and it, it's in the context of the unraveling of America. And there's a quote in there which I thought was amazing. It says, No empire long endures, even if you anticipate their demise. Every kingdom is born to die. And then the author goes on to sort of cite many different kingdoms that, that came and went and came and went. But, guys, the good news for you and I is that we are part of an enduring kingdom, an eternal kingdom will never die that's why get your minds off of what's happening in the world get your mind off of of what's happening in the government and all that you know what we're not part of that we're part of a different kingdom we are aliens and strangers in this world come on remember your identity in God be a blessing be a light grab your extra jar of oil and fill yourselves up so you become a blessing Yeah, don't spew out and and put out all this fear and ignorance and, and conspiracy theories. Guys, stop it. Let's get a grip and stop it. And let's fill ourselves with the truth of God's word. And let's bring that light wherever we are. That's what it means to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. All right. What's the next one? He built a legacy of faith. This is what Noah did. He built a legacy. So what did he do? He lived for something bigger than himself. Number two, he built something that carried him and his family into the future. Number three, he built with an enduring faith. Number four, he built a legacy of faith. His whole family followed him into that ark. Wow. Think about it. They'd never seen rain. They'd never heard of rain. We'll talk about this on another week. But the fact that they believed him. Man, he built built a legacy of faith. They trusted him because they trusted his walking God. And they trusted God by getting into the boat. They trusted in the very word of God that he told them. And, um, you know, I look at Brahm's mum. Uh, she passed on a legacy to her children. She prayed the promises of her children, yet never saw them answered. I'll read that, that verse out of 13. All these, Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Guys, it takes guts to be a Christian. It takes guts to be a believer of Jesus. It takes guts because it means dying to all of our little 2020, tw- 21st century desires for luxury and for, um, you know, for, for uh, consumerism and, and all the things that are placed around us and capitalism and living for our own rights. It challenges every aspect of that, every single aspect When we believe God, come on, let's lift our eyes up. Let's lift our eyes up and let's see beyond our immediate needs right now. Let's live in the context of where God is taking us and where God is taking this world. yet when I look back at how Brahms' mum prayed for her children, she was literally building an ark of salvation for her children and for her grandchildren. And now it's repeated again. Now we're leaving a legacy to our kids and our spiritual kids like that prophetic word I shared before that is saying to you all, it is safe to trust God. And we're demonstrating to you that trust and faith and passion for a cause, the cause of the kingdom of God, for seeking first the kingdom, that's more important than our needs. So it's really important that we, that we pass on our faith and pass on Second Timothy 1.5 says this, I have have been reminded of your sincere faith. This is Paul writing to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. See the trickle effect of faith being passed down. But that doesn't just happen. You have to live that out. Imitate me as I imitate Christ that it takes gutsiness to live according to the truth of God's word. All right. That's all from the Old Testament. What about the new, Noah's from the Old Testament? Hebrews 11, we're reading from the Old Testament. What about now? What are you and I meant to build on now? What are we meant to build now? We don't need to go out and build a literal ark, although some people in America have done that. Who knows why? But what are we literally meant to build spiritually? Because we're part of a spiritual kingdom. All right? Three things. Number one, we build our own foundation with the Word of God. In this time more than ever before, build yourselves on the word of God. Matthew seven twenty four to 27 says, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, make it be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. All right, we're we're, we're facing quite a bit of a, a storm right now, aren't we? We've got winds blowing, we've got floods coming, metaphorically speaking. All right, what does it say in Luke 6, 46? Another version Why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Wow, reminds me of, there are going to be some people that say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. But he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I never had intimacy of heart with you. Why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me. And hears my words and acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. Couldn't. It just literally could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So it's not enough for us to just hear the word of God. We've got to be doers of the word. Don't fool yourselves into thinking just because you can quote scriptures better than Brahm or me, or Brahm, he's the one who kind of knows the Bible back to front. He's just as accountable to do it and act on it accordingly. It's not enough. Do you know there are many people that have theology degrees who are not born again? It's all about head knowledge. Head knowledge doesn't do it. It doesn't do it, guys. It doesn't cut it. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing him who is the person of the truth. Okay, and we've got to be obedient and act on the word of God. All right, Luke 14, 27 says, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build, here we go again, it's about building. What are we building right now? Does not sit, He wants to build a tower, does not sit down and calculate or count the cost to see if he has enough to complete. Completed. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. All right, so we have to, number one, we have to build. This is what you and I have to build. Noah built an ark. We build our foundation with the word of God. Number two, we build our spirit up. How do we do that? Jude verse 19. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 says this. Oh, sorry. Sorry, not verse 19, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. All right, so we build ourselves up. We build our spirit up. We build that strength of God up in ourselves through prayer. And in this case, saying talking about praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we pray in the Holy Spirit? Come to DMS and I'll show you. We'll do it. You will learn. You know, all I do is, Brahma and I pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. This is what we do. This is what we feel buoyant. We feel strengthened. We feel encouraged. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through us. When we don't know how else, what words we need to say, the Holy Spirit gives us the words. That's what it's like. So you build, your, you build up a foundation on the Word. You build up your spirit with prayer. And then the last thing I want to say is we build His Lordship in our hearts. How do we do that? Through worship. We build His Lordship in our hearts through worship. And Brahm, I'm going to ask you to come and sit with me just as we end and we sing this last song. You know, it says, how do I know that? Because it says in Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy, yeah. O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. What does that mean to be enthroned? That means he conquers, he rules, and he reigns. It means he is Lord. When we worship him, right. he comes and takes his position of authority. Awesome. Awesome. Let's just pray right now. And I want us to just enthrone him. Let's enthrone him on our praises. Father, throughout this season right now, Lord Jesus, you are in control. You are in control, Lord Jesus. Father, we surrender our lives. We surrender everything. Father, we want to build ourselves up, Lord, on your word, in our spirits, by your Holy Spirit. And, Father, through our worship. So, Lord, I pray blessing over your people father as we worship just be enthroned in our praises lord and bless our people take care of all their needs right now lord jesus take care of every single one of their needs now in jesus name thank you lord yes lord Lord. jesus we worship you lord